Earlier this week, I came across a wonderful story that I wanted to share with you this morning. And it focuses on a man whose name is Abel Mutai. He comes from Kenya. He's a long-distance runner. And if you are a runner, please forgive me because I'm sure I've got his name wrong in terms of my pronunciation. And back in 2012... Abel Mutai won a bronze medal in the Olympic Games, and this takes place three months after the London Olympics. Back in 2012, Abel Mutai, an Olympic medal runner from Kenya, was ahead of the other runners in a cross-country race when he began to slow down and stopped 30 feet from the finish line. He had become confused with signage at the finish line and he stopped thinking he had already completed the race. A Spanish runner, Ivan Fernandez Anya, caught up to him and rather than accelerate past him and win first place, he began making signs to the Kenyan runner to keep running. Abel did not know Spanish and didn't understand. And realizing what was taking place, Fernandez made a series of hand gestures, ushering Abel to keep going. Fernandez continued to run behind Abel, let Abel finish the race first, and he continued behind him. A journalist asked Ivan after the race, Why did you do that? Ivan replied, My dream is that someday we can have the kind of community life where we push and help each other to win. The journalist insisted. But why did you let the Kenyan win? Ivan replied, I didn't let him win. He was going to win. He was always at the front. The race was his. The journalist insisted, but you could have won. You could have accelerated past and been first. And Ivan looked at him and replied, But what merit would there be in that kind of victory? I would not have honoured that medal. And incidentally, what would my mother have thought? (laughs) Isn't that a great line? What would my mother have thought? And what is going on here is this, that here was... Ivan raised with a set of values that defined who he was. What a mother to have. To raise a son with honesty and integrity and character. And over the last couple of weeks, as we have been steadily making our way through the Sermon on the Mount, we have been asking those kinds of questions. What are the values we hold to be self-evident? What does scripture teach us in terms of biblical principles that we can apply to our lives and seek to live out day by day? And some of these Sundays recently have been difficult, tough questions, at times controversial. In fact, last Sunday morning we asked, how does a Christian respond as we move into a presidential election where political theatre and contrasting views have now morphed into personal conflict defined by hatred, loathing. Is that the nation we are? Is that who we want to be? Well, with all of that in mind, let's look at verse 13. Jesus in chapter 5, verse 13 
having completed the Beatitudes, focuses on you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? There's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. Now some of you will have already noticed what Jesus is doing here. When he says you are the salt of the earth, he doesn't say to his listeners, continue to follow me and someday you will become the salt of the earth. If you seek to take biblical principles and I'm teaching you and apply them to your life and if you persevere, then somehow you will be the light of the world. For those of you who enjoy biblical studies and the subtleties of syntax and grammar, it might be helpful for you to know that the mood of the verb here is indicative. You are salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. It's not an imperative. It's not a command. Someday you will be. Keep going. Persevere. Keep trying. In fact, he's saying the opposite. You already are. And what he's saying is this. Because of your relationship with me, because of the intimacy that we share together, because the gospel has touched you heart and mind and soul, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. In other words, he's challenging them to live out their faith, be what God has called and intended you to be. Live it out. Grow in your faith. Mature. Become strong. You are the salt of the earth. Now, when Jesus says you are the salt of the earth, that means the very practical Difficult teaching, because when the gospel challenges us, it tells us this. Live out your faith day by day by day. Live out your faith in how you interact with colleagues and work. Live out your faith in the way you behave towards your family, wife, children, grandchildren, great-grands. Live out your faith in your thought process and your behavior pattern. If I was contemporizing it, I would be saying Jesus is asking, has the gospel impacted not only the heart, the mind and soul, but has it affected how you think? Are you putting him first? That's what's going on here. You are the salt of the earth. Are you living out your faith in your place of work? And you may be saying, Richard, You don't know what you're asking. My work is a busy, demanding office. I don't have time to live out my faith. Really? Someone in your office at the water cooler tells an off-color joke. Do you participate with everyone else and smile and laugh? When your colleagues begin to tear someone else's reputation to pieces, do you participate? Do you engage? Do you do so in your neighborhood? Do you do so with friends and family? Whenever you join a small group of people for lunch or dinner, or even in conversation, does the conversation go up or does the conversation go down? You are the salt of the earth. And that's a hard thing to do day by day by day. 
Stand for Christian principles. Do it gently, graciously, but nonetheless take that stand. That's why Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. Salt impacts and influences everything it touches. If over lunch this afternoon you pour some in your hand and you look at it, you'll have to pour out lots of granules to even see it. But boy, does it have an impact when we put it on meat or fish or vegetables. That's what he's saying. And we know as Christian people, as we seek to live out our faith, things like character and honesty, integrity, transparency, holiness, purity, prayer, love, grace, Christian virtues matter. They matter. And if Christian folks are not going to take a stand for it in the place where we spend most of our day, who will? Who will? If you're watching from home this morning and thinking, Richard, I wasn't ready for this, I was hoping this morning you would give me some nice, warm, fuzzy teaching that would help me just kind of gently grow in my faith. Well, you're watching the wrong program. Because whenever we come to the Scriptures, we take them seriously. We seek to apply them day by day to live out our faith as he equips us and enables us because he never asks us to do it on our own. Never. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. And you may be saying, Richard, the last time I tried to take a stand for Christian principles, I felt that size. Folks in my office started to treat me as odd and strange, one of those religious people. Now I'm no longer invited out for lunch. Now I'm no longer asked with my colleagues to do what they do and enjoy with them. I somehow feel small and insignificant and powerless. And for all this talk of you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world, that's not how it's worked out for me. I feel the opposite, insignificant, nothing to offer. If that describes you, please remember the context of this passage. Go back to verse 11. In fact, verse 10, as Jesus begins to bring what we call the Beatitudes, the blessed parts. Verse 10, and we should have touched it last Sunday, but we ran out of time. And here is Jesus speaking, and he said, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Blessed. Doesn't always feel that way, does it? Well, let's go a little deeper. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Then he goes right into, you are the salt of the earth. Please understand this. When you begin to take a strong moral and spiritual stance for the kingdom of God, you are growing in your faith. You are maturing. You are being strengthened. He's preparing you for what's coming next. To stand for righteousness and purity and holiness and character and honesty and transparency. These things are important. 
You may be laughed at, you may be thought as odd, you may be thought as out of touch with nothing to offer, you may be thought to have have primitive beliefs that no one believes these days, you may be marginalized and minimized, but hear this, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. It matters. It matters. What does Jesus say? Not only are you the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness. In other words, you are not applying Christian principles to your place of work, your family, your neighborhood, with colleagues you interact with. You are in danger of losing that cutting edge of your faith. Not your relationship with him, you cannot lose that. But you're losing the effectiveness of living out the Christian life day by day by day. And that's what he means when it's thrown out. It's become ineffective, spoiled. The other thing, of course, that salt is, and especially in the first century when Jesus was delivering this message, was it preserves meat, fish was put down and salt was scattered over it in order to preserve it. Honesty, integrity, character, purity, holiness, preserves who we are. Preserves not us simply as individuals, but it also preserves the moral and spiritual standards of a nation. Now let me say that again. It also preserves the moral and spiritual standards of a nation. The things we hold to be self-evident are Christian values. Christian values. That's why we hold on to them. It makes a difference in society if people are honest. It makes a difference if they have character and integrity. It makes a difference if they have authenticity and credibility in their life. That's the point he's making. And then he takes them on another step. You are the light of the world. Not only the salt of the earth, but you are the light of the world. Have you ever found yourself camping or been out in the country at night? There's no lights for miles and miles around. You can put your hand almost within inches of your nose and you cannot see your own fingers. It is that dark. The intensity is such that it's almost impossible to pierce. But as soon as someone puts on a flashlight, wow, what a difference that makes. That's what Jesus is saying. You are like a city built on a hill where others will be drawn to you because of the life you live that's the point he's making a city on a hill and if you're spending your days in law or education or medicine retail contractor engineer real estate Wherever you're spending your day, when you are living out your faith, that will inevitably impact those around you. There may be times when you feel small and powerless and insignificant, but the gospel is never small or powerless or insignificant. And God, slowly but surely, will begin to impact those around you. That's the point Jesus is highlighting right there. He's highlighting a faith that is life-giving and life-affirming. As Christian people, we should never, 
ever come across as condemning, judgmental, narrow-minded, belligerent, difficult to work with. We should do the opposite. We are men and women of grace who should be life-affirming where we can, life-giving when we can, but also take a strong and firm stance against that which the Scripture teaches to be wrong. Now, you may be here this morning saying, Richard, okay, I think I hear what you're saying. I understand, I think, about the importance of living out my faith, applying it to my life. Richard, take me down to specifics. Give me some examples. Give me something that will challenge me so deeply that I can talk with my children and my grandchildren over lunch. Give me something to hold on to that will allow me to grow and mature. Well, let me try. I mentioned this last Sunday morning, and so I want to highlight it again. Over the next 60 days or so, we will move towards a presidential election. It has been and will continue to be all over television news, radio talk shows, print media, social media. It will be everywhere. The issues will be complex and numerous. We will focus on issues like social justice, race relations, gender identification, abortion, Religious liberty, human sexuality, health care, of course, COVID-19, economy and jobs. There will be no shortage of topics to discuss again and again and again and again. But in the midst of all of that, we need to ask ourselves as Christians, how do we participate in the democratic process? Will our voice be heard? Will our influence be noticed? Can we speak into difficult and controversial issues? Well, we should. We should be praying for our nation and praying for everyone running for political office, whether we agree with them or not. And our prayer is, Father, let thy will be done. Allow our voice to be heard. Allow us to speak into the controversial issues of the day, but do so with grace and integrity and character and lovingly, just as you would have us do. Having painted that picture, let me paint a second picture, then I'll come back and try and bring them together. We live in a world that is at times desperately dark, For many people. For some, they're wrestling with alcohol and drug addiction. That has taken from those addicted to it everything they've ever had and everyone they've ever loved. For others, they are trying to recover from being part of human trafficking and the dreadful horror that comes with that. For others, it's domestic violence. A person who once promised to love them has turned on them violently. It's very difficult to get over that. Homelessness. A past that is so bad you are deeply ashamed. You don't know where to begin. 
You may be watching for the first time this morning and this describes you and you're wondering how can you possibly ever get your life back together again. Across the nation, there are millions of people struggling in these areas. Others are struggling with unemployment. Businesses have closed. For many, there's a sense of despair, hopelessness. So how do we as Christian people begin to make a difference, begin to influence not only folks in our work, but across our city? How do we begin to transform the spiritual heart of the city and say there is hope? You are welcome here. The gospel transforms and renews and refreshes and brings intimacy with God. He forgives the past puts it behind and allows us to begin again. Because we believe that there are moral and spiritual values that are crucial, not simply in our own lives, not simply in our neighborhood, but in our city and across our nation. And they matter. They matter. Over the last 50 years, I think most political commentators, sociologists, those who study contemporary society would say that Christian values and standards have been marginalized and minimized. Today, you turn on television programs and it won't take too long before you find Christian views being laughed at, lampooned, held up to ridicule. Because after all, no one believes that stuff anymore. People who believe that are primitive in their thinking, old-fashioned, out of touch. They're somehow priggish and prudish with nothing to offer. They're simply judgmental and narrow-minded. And yet we know the opposite to be true. That when you're exposed to the love and grace of God, He transforms you on the inside, giving you a new heart and soul and mind. A fresh beginning, a new start. That's what the gospel does. And it permeates not only individual lives, but family lives, community lives, and runs throughout our nation. That's why Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Live out your faith. You are like a city on a hill, saying there is hope. Hope. There is light. There is an opportunity to begin again. That's what's going on here. Am I exaggerating to say that what takes place in this next election will impact the moral and spiritual standards of our nation? Is that an exaggeration? I don't think so. I genuinely don't. Where will we be? Will our voice be heard? We are called to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world. Please hear me this morning as I try and wrap all of this up. And you may be here in the sanctuary for the first time this morning. You may be watching at home for the first time. And if you have a past that you are deeply ashamed of, can't believe what you were involved with, never told another soul, you are welcome here. There is hope and redemption available for you. If alcohol or drug addiction has lost 
you, everyone you love and everything you have, and you do not know where to begin, you are welcome here. There is hope and redemption and it's found in the gospel. If you are struggling with a marriage that is just about careering against the edge of the road, ready to flip over the safety barrier and crash and burn, you are welcome here. There is hope and redemption. If you're worried and concerned about your future, if you are beating yourself up because of the things you have been involved in, the places you have been, you are welcome here. If you're wrestling with gender identification, if you're wrestling with a background in abortion, if you are wrestling with human sexuality, you are welcome here. And there is hope and redemption for you. Church is not a place for perfect people, but for broken people. Church is not a place for those who have it all together. In fact, it's the opposite. It's for the broken and the lost, the confused and the desperate, the rejected, folks who are in despair with no hope. And when you respond to the love and grace of God found in the gospel, you have intimacy with Almighty God. He transforms your heart and mind and soul. He strengthens you to live out your faith. When he says you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world, he means that. He equips you. He enables you. You then become people who are not standing in judgment, throwing stones at culture or society, but people who are engaged, people who are influencing, people who are making a difference. The people for whom moral and spiritual values and standards matter. You become the kind of person who is life-affirming, life-giving in who you are. You become the kind of person that would slow down towards the end of the race and help someone else over the finish line. You are salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Go live it out. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we come to you this morning, enable us please to pray for one another. Those of us who are seeking to be free from our past, those of us who need to be cleansed and forgiven and refreshed and renewed, those of us who are broken and lost, desperate, rejected, confused. And Father, as we pray for each other, we do pray for our nation and ask, O oh God, that you would put your hand upon those running for political office. Lead and guide and direct them. Hold them as you hold us to standards of character and integrity and honesty. Enable them to move from personal conflict to considering helping others. Finally, O oh God, help us to pray for those we disagree with politically, culturally, socially. Help us to listen, to engage, 
Not to give up biblical values and standards, but to see where we can help. Oh, Father, enable us, please, to be men and women of grace. Allow us to be and to live out our faith in such a manner that we are the salt of the earth, that we are the light of the world. Father, thank you for your call upon our lives, your enabling and strengthening grace. Help us to live for you this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.